Welcome into Brewers Weekly. We transition from Sports Central to Brewers Weekly. I'm Greg Matzik in for Matt Pauly tonight. Happy to have you along here for the next hour. We will dissect uh, kind of an interesting day in baseball here with the Cubs throwing the first punch pre-trade deadline. The Brewers making a minor move of their own and ready to embark on the unofficial second half of the season. Yes, the All-Star break is winding to a close. Team at the field right now. In fact, as we speak, finishing up a nice little light workout. And the Phillies are in town for a three-game weekend series beginning tomorrow. Well, let's go right out to Miller Park, shall we? We welcome in from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, it's Brewers beat writer Todd Rosiak. Hey, Todd. Hey, not to... uh... You know, downplay what you just said, but I'm actually home now. Workout's over. Oh, you made it home. Yeah. You made it home. That's nice. Yep. yep. Well, you, you could use the rest. It's, it's theater of the mind, Todd. You could have said you're on the moon right now, and people would have believed it. True, but I like to be uh, upfront and honest, you know. No fake media here. Yeah, great. Good stuff. Anyways, so a little workout today. Uh, I know Craig Council spoke and a handful of players and all that. Was there any reaction at all to the trade made by the Chicago Cubs. Uh, they gave up a lot, we'll go through that in a minute here, to acquire Jose Quintana from the White Sox. And this is, I suppose, in the Cubs' view, something that can help push them over the top. Uh, I would say it was met kind of with a collective shoulder shrug. Like, we pretty much figured the Cubs were going to do something like this. If there was any surprise, it was probably just how quickly they moved on it and the fact they are able to to get that uh, that move done before um, they started play here in the second half. So the Craig Council said it, it was pretty much expected. They went out and, and they got the guy that they thought was really going to help them and help them get over the top. And the Brewers, um, you know, they, they have to worry about their own their own business. Obviously, they made a, they made a minor move today, uh, adding to their bullpen. And who knows? I mean, they they could possibly uh, make more moves down the line i would i would say that's certainly still within the realm of possibility but i think everybody pretty much assumed the cubs were going to do something it probably was just a little bit a little bit of a surprise that it happened this soon well we'll get to the move the brewers made here in a second but just looking at what the cubs had to give up to get jose quintana they give up their number one and number two prospects number eight and number 63 overall in all of baseball and then a couple of guys who don't pop through on the top 30 chart so if i were to extrapolate that over and look at it from a brewer's perspective to acquire jose quintana are you telling me the brewers likely would have had to give up lewis brinson or Corey ray and a guy like luis ortiz so two top 50 prospects and maybe your top overall prospect yeah and that's that's the whole deal here is that you know from from the brewer's perspective that's just too much you know this is a team that Let's, let's not let everybody get ahead of themselves here. It's in year two of the rebuild, and for a small market franchise like the Brewers, everybody knows the uh, the prospects and the minor leaguers are the lifeblood of this of this organization moving forward. You know, you can't afford to pay the big dollars that uh, that the Cubs and the Yankees do to to, to attract free agents and fill holes that way. So, you know, your your organization, your success year to year is going to be built on that farm system. So that's, that's where the value lies. And, and I certainly couldn't, uh, can't fault David Stearns for not wanting to part with the, with guys like Lewis Brinson, Corey Ray, Luis Ortiz. Those are the guys that everybody is expecting to be wearing brewer uniforms and, in well, Brinson already has, but, uh, you know, all three of those guys within the next couple of years for sure. So, uh, the Cubs obviously have, uh, have a deep well of prospects in addition to deep pockets, and they they paid dearly for the, the piece that they think is going to help put them over the top. Meanwhile, David Stearns just finds waiver claims, plugs them into the lineup, and they perform. 
Yeah, yeah, it's funny how that works. It's uh, definitely a testament to the uh, to the pro personnel uh, scouting department there. You know, it started with Junior Guerra, and, and, you know, we can go all the way down the line here to Eric Sogard. Uh, it, it just seems like pretty much all the moves that they make, all, all the uh, the guys they bring in, somehow find a way to be productive, and they've got a, several of those, several of those of those guys on the roster uh, right now this year, uh, doing some giving them some pretty major production. Brewers beat writer Todd Rosiak of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel joining us on Sports Central, presented by Miller Lite. Actually, Brewers Weekly. We transitioned from Sports Central. Uh, Okay, so the move made today by the Milwaukee Brewers, a minor league sort of move, sort of. Uh, Garrett Cooper, 26 years old, lighting it up at Colorado Springs. First baseman, not really going to crack that nut here in Milwaukee with Eric Thames and Jesus Aguilar, deemed expendable by David Stearns. And you acquire Tyler Webb. He's had seven appearances in the major leagues in his career, two of which have come against the Brewers, incidentally. And he gets inserted right into the bullpen here instead of going to AAA, where he put up pretty solid numbers throughout the course of the season. What do we make of this move, Todd? It seems like a guy can help today versus a guy that is blocked at first base. Yeah, I mean, obviously it gives them, it gives them another option in a, in a bullpen that has struggled overall but has gotten better here over the, over the last several weeks and has actually been fairly solid. Uh, as we all know, left-handed pitching, there's been a dearth of it in, in Milwaukee for, for many seasons now. And, uh, now you add a, you add another, uh, lefty to the, to the staff. You've got, um, Brent Suter obviously is, is, uh, starting games right now, but if, assuming he goes back to the bullpen at some point, that gives you two options out of the bullpen and two guys that can, that are not necessarily considered left-handed specialists. These are guys that can pitch full innings, that can pitch multiple innings. And um, Webb is a guy that has options remaining. He's young. Uh, he's got some uh, some strikeout ability. So it seems like from the scouting reports and everything that has been said about him, there's a lot to like. And, and it moving Garrett Cooper, as I noted in the story that I wrote about him and, and Corbin Burns today, uh, you know, he, he was a somewhat of an attractive trade piece for the Brewers because he was blocked in Milwaukee. Didn't really fit the prospect status. You know, he's going to be 27 next season. Uh, a guy who's who's improved over the course of his minor league career, but really had not put up the huge numbers uh, or the power numbers like he had until this year, coincidentally in Colorado Springs. Not coincidentally. So uh, I, I think it's a it's a move that made sense for both teams, and and I'm sure the Brewers are happy to have another lefty uh, that they can utilize here. So the other thing I'm interested to watch develop here, Todd, is is how the starting rotation takes shape. Junior Guerra is going to miss a little more time. Chase Anderson, we may not see him until the end of the month, perhaps. Uh, we'll see how that all develops. And Brent Suter, meanwhile, has stepped in and proven he's more than just an emergency option as a starting pitcher. He's had two brilliant starts and certainly earned the opportunity. But, you know, can you ride it through until Anderson comes back with Brent Suter as part of your rotation? Well, so far, so good. Uh, it, it remains to be seen, obviously, whether he can keep up uh, this, this kind of production, but he's, he's looked really good in the times he's been out there. So I think you, you continue to ride with him, but you obviously also consider your other options. Uh, one name that, that Brewer fans are familiar with is Brandon Woodruff, and kind of an interesting story. He was supposed to make his major league debut in that doubleheader in St. Louis, tweaked his hammy, uh, has been out ever since. He's been out about, actually been about a month today. Uh, and he's not expected back until the end of the month. So depending on when Anderson is able to come back, you know, maybe you can, you can get a start out of him or two starts out of him. But 
at this point, I think you keep rolling Suter out there until he shows you you can't do it. He can't do it. And uh, Craig Council said today before the workout that they're they're uh, cautiously optimistic that Guerra uh, will be able to rejoin the rotation Tuesday in Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, there's a few more days to go. He's still pretty sore. Uh, he was not at the workout today that I saw, but they are holding out hope that they, that they can get him back in without having to miss a start. So that would obviously be uh, definitely beneficial for them because uh, they've got enough on their hands worrying about uh, getting getting through here without Chase Anderson. Well, I, I'm not very good at math, but I've kind of done the math here. And for the Brewers to win 90 games, and I do think it'll take about 90 games to, to win the division as things shape up, 50 and 41, that seems attainable. If I look at what the Cubs and Cardinals need to do, and they need to click off like a 650 winning percentage to achieve 90 wins. I mean, that you, you kind of are what you are when you get to this point of the season. I know moves can be made, and, and certainly you can be pushed over the top. I don't know that Jose Quintana is a, a push-you-over-the-top type of move. It, it certainly helps the Cubs. It doesn't hurt them, and he's in control for a number of years. But I, it just seems like it's it's still an uphill battle here for the Cubs and Cardinals, who have proven themselves to be terribly inconsistent all season long. Yeah, when uh, we were down in, in uh, Chicago for that game that the Brewers beat the Cubs last week, uh, one of the Chicago columnists was, was querying some of the uh, the players and Craig Council uh, about about that, and, and he had mentioned that, you know, kind of the, the thought among Cubs fans down there is that, you know, in the second half the Cubs are just going to push a button, everything will be, be right with the world, they'll figure it out, and they'll go sailing past the Brewers. And I, I, don't, I don't know that that's necessarily realistic. I mean, you figure guys like Kyle Schwarber eventually are going to are, are going to figure it out here. Um, you know, he obviously has struggled this year. The pitching has been pretty head scratching for them. John Lester, Jake Arrieta, they're certainly not performing the way they did last year. Uh, Quintana obviously is going to help. Uh, Kyle Hendricks has been out; he's been hurt. So, the the pieces that that were so good for the Cubs last year, just for whatever reason, injury or or underproduction, just have not done it for them this year and, and as a result they they have the record that uh that they have the cardinals you know the 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 core of their team the veteran core of their team it seems like is uh you know they're getting up in age and they're not producing as they once did the minor league system that several years ago seemed to just churn out uh guys who all threw 100 miles an hour and hitters who were hitting home runs like crazy that seems to have slowed down quite a bit too so you know those those two teams obviously are the are chasing the Brewers. I, I wouldn't necessarily be uh, assume that either one of them are going to put out you know put a huge charge or you know make a huge push. But the Cubs obviously have the most talent and they've been through it before. They've got a lot of motivation to get back there again. And I certainly wouldn't discount the fact that they could make another move as well to shore up a weak spot. So uh, it's going to be interesting any way you slice it uh, going down the stretch here. For me, if you're if you're a Brewers fan, you're just you're you're really playing with house money at this point. You know, regardless of what happens, you're going to be happy if the Brewers hang on and win it. Uh, maybe they sneak into a wild card. There's a lot of things that can happen. But who would have ever thought in year two of this rebuild that we'd be talking about the Brewers being five and a half games ahead going into the second yeah. half? It's really pretty remarkable. Plan yeah. accelerated. That's all good stuff. Uh, season resumes tomorrow at Miller Park against the Phillies. A 71 game race to the finish here for the Milwaukee Brewers. Check out his work in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel the rest of the way. He is Brewers beat writer Todd Rosiak. Do appreciate your time, Todd. We'll see you at the park tomorrow. Sounds good, Greg. Take care.
All right, you too. Todd Rosiak of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll kind of go back through the trade here. Exactly what did the Brewers give up? Exactly what did they get in return today? We'll do it after this on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues on 620 WTMJ from Bastille Days. Greg Matzik in for Matt Pauley tonight. All-Star break coming to an end. Brewers resume the season tomorrow against the Philadelphia Phillies. And uh, record-wise, you look at the way the second half of the season shapes up for the Brewers. The bulk of the teams they play today have records under 500. But there's nothing easy about a three-city western road trip against the Dodgers. You're going to see the Rockies. You've got the uh, San Francisco Giants as part of that group. right? There's nothing easy about that. And you also have to consider the Cubs and Cardinals today are under 500. And you know how difficult that opponent can be. So a lot of road games here for the Brewers. They also have uh, teams schedule-wise that, you know, looking at the records, it doesn't seem too tough, but we know the quality of opponents and how tough it is to win both on the road and against teams in your division, like the Cubs and Cardinals. So got that to look forward to here for the Milwaukee Brewers. 414-799-1620 is the Econet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Brewers today is saying goodbye to Garrett Cooper, uh, a 305 career hitter at the minor league level. And you know the reason he doesn't really show up on the top 30 prospect list is because he's 27 years old, um, or about to be 27 years old. So you kind of move on from being a prospect, Although Cooper does appear to be major league ready, there was just a brick wall in Jesus Aguilar, quite literally, and Eric Thames, also quite literally. What was he going to do? And if you look at what the Brewers need right now, do they really need another guy to to mash the ball around? It never really hurts, but uh, they've got plenty of guys who can do that. What they need is some assistance with their pitching. And... You know, as a lefty coming into a situation where there aren't many lefties, Josh Hader's your only guy in the bullpen right now. Uh, perhaps Brent Suter moves into that role uh, a little bit later this season when the rotation is primarily healthy. But he's a guy that can help you today in Tyler Webb. And Garrett Cooper, for as amazing as his stats are at the AAA level, he was not going to help you this year. And I think that's one thing you got to keep in in a top of mind here as you think about this Brewers team. Who can help you today, and you know who might not be able to help you until a couple of years down the road? Will it trigger more moves? That's the million-dollar question here. 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Uh, we'll dice into that uh, White Sox-Cubs trade. Well, it's not often they play in the sandbox together, but maybe that wall is coming down here for the White Sox and Cubs. Trade partners today... Just how much better are the Cubs today than they were yesterday? More Brewers Weekly after this on 620 WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues on 620 WTMJ. Greg Matzik with you from Bastille Days. What a great crowd here. Great night. Storing the Bastille Day run will get going about 9 o'clock, so expect about 5,000 runners to be trampling their way through downtown Milwaukee. Uh, Always a lot of fun down here from Cathedral Square into the Third Ward and back. I know there are water stations along the way. There is a great bar uh, about a quarter of a mile, maybe half mile away from the finish that has a nice beer table. If you're so inclined uh, as you're running through the streets of Milwaukee, uh, grab a beer for that final stretch run. 
That's the beauty of a night run here in the city of Milwaukee. Happy to have you along for the ride here on WTMJ. I'm in for Matt Pauley as uh, he takes a little bit of an all-star break. Well-deserved for Matt. He'll be back tomorrow on Brewers Extra Innings. So uh, first trade domino falls today in Jose Quintana. And, yeah, we were talking on the program a couple of nights ago what it might take for the Brewers to acquire a starting pitcher who is young, relatively inexpensive, and under control for a number of years. And I think we learned that today by what the Cubs gave up. They gave up their number one and number two prospect. Aloy Jimenez is an outfielder. Dylan Cease is a right-handed pitcher. Now, in Major League Baseball terms, they rank number eight and number 63. So a top ten prospect and a top 75 prospect go from the Cubs to the White Sox. And a couple of other guys as well who do not rate in the top 30 in any publication that lists the top 30 prospects. So if you think about that from a Brewer's perspective, are you really comfortable giving up a guy like Lewis Brinson and your number four prospect, Luis Ortiz? Brinson a top 15 prospect, Ortiz uh, about the 50th prospect uh, in all of the land? Are you really comfortable with them doing that? I, I don't think so. I don't think that's what you're looking for David Stearns to do. I know there is, in some positions, an embarrassment of prospect riches here, but prospects, it's a law of averages, right? Some will work out and some will not. Some are going to be great and some, who knows, for whatever reason. They might not be healthy. They might just not you know, translate to Major League Baseball level, whatever. It's just not a guarantee. So while many look at this and say, well, the Cubs gave up an awful lot, and yes, on paper they certainly did, you have to wonder just who out of that group is going to turn out. seems like Jimenez seems to be the can't-miss guy, but wasn't Matt Laporta a can't-miss guy? So uh, there lies the risk-reward here. But you know, the Cubs are certainly going for it and felt they needed a piece to help put them over the top. Now, can they play at a 650-ish winning percentage from here on out? You're going to have to do that to get to 90 wins. And maybe the magic number in the NL Central is more like 87 or 88 it doesn't appear as if the wild card will come out of the NL Central. If the Brewers come back to earth, they'll maybe work themselves out of that wild card discussion, as the NL West still seems to be where the balance of power lies. So I, did the Cubs give up a lot uh, on paper? Yes. Uh, two prospects in the top 65 in all of Major League Baseball, including one top 10 guy. I, I'd say that's a pretty healthy amount, especially when you consider that the top two prospects in the Cubs organization Still a young team, however, in Chicago with some existing players who just a year ago were considered prospects. 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I do believe the Cubs got a little better today. Had to give up a lot to do it. Uh, we'll talk to Chris Swick from Yahoo Sports, great baseball writer, coming up on the other side. What does he think of the trade? Who's the next domino to fall here? And is this what the asking price is for starting pitching at the trade deadline? It's after this on WTMJ. Welcome back to Brewers Weekly on 620 WTMJ. Greg Matz again for Matt Pauley, broadcasting live for Bastille Days. The Bastille Day run about to commence about 9 o'clock tonight. A great evening run through the streets of downtown Milwaukee. About 5,000 runners expected on a beautiful night. And uh, yes, for those who are so inclined... Along the way, you will find a water station or two or three and a nice beer station. If you want to grab a beer for the final quarter mile of that run. 
Brewers resume the season on Friday against the Philadelphia Phillies. Is there a move to be made to counter what Chicago did earlier today? What is the asking price for starting pitching? Has that market been set? For more, we welcome in from Yahoo Sports, great baseball writer Chris Swick joins us. Hi, Chris. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. We're in the thick of things here. It's festival season in Milwaukee. It's good stuff going on. Wish you were with me. Yeah, I, I wish I was, too. I uh, I don't know if uh, the lovely the lovely people I've talked to already know this, but I, I went to Marquette, so uh, I am familiar with the area. Well, very cool. Bastille Days is going on right now. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, you are a busy man as we approach the trade deadline in Major League Baseball. Uh, first question for you, Chris. You know, is the market set now uh, with what the Cubs had to give up to get Jose Quintana? Uh, is something like that uh, to be expected for a guy like Sonny Gray or one of the other names of controllable pitchers that are relatively affordable today? Is, is that what it's going to look like? Yeah, I think so. And I feel like this is the one that is really going to get the ball rolling, To uh, You know, we always kind of wait for something like this to set the market. And so, of course, every other team with uh, a pitcher like Quintana, and like you mentioned, Sonny Gray is kind of that big name out there. Um, you know, they're going to look for a comparable deal. They're going to look for one elite prospect, one very good prospect, and then two other guys they like. And whether they get that, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I kind of think Quintana may have been the, the best name available pitching-wise um, when you combine his effectiveness and his contract. So I don't know that we'll see a bigger deal uh, as far as pitching is involved, but you can bet that teams are going to be looking for this deal to happen again. Well, and it, it's been kind of amazing to watch David Stearns operate here. While you know other teams are making moves, he's making waiver claims, inserting them into the lineup or into the rotation, and and they've worked. I mean, it's it's been remarkable. He's got a golden touch here so far. I I feel like he's done a tremendous job with this team. I mean, I, you guys know that at this point, they're, they're, the Brewers are contending. I think really earlier than anyone had anticipated, and I think a lot of credit really goes to that, well, him, but also his scouting staff, because you look at some of the guys they've taken shots on, uh, Eric Haynes coming over from, from Korea, um, you know, there was some skepticism about whether he would carry over those solid numbers, and I think that was clear in, in the deal that he eventually took with the Brewers, only three years, $16 million. Um, you know, seemed like maybe a lot at the time, but now that he's produced, those are bargain numbers. Um, they saw Travis Shaw, they saw something they liked in him, he's been great as well. And I think it even goes back for, further to acquisitions like Keon Broxton, um, Domingo Santana. I know he was a prospect, but I, I count both of those guys in there. They, they've really done a great job identifying talent. And not only that, but um, sticking with those guys, especially the two outfielders, playing them, letting them grow, letting them improve, and blossoming into pretty good players. Chris Swick of Yahoo Sports joining us on Brewers Weekly. Brewers and Phillies play tomorrow at Miller Park. 71 games to the finish here for the Brewers. So I, I still think it is the biggest question surrounding the Brewers, maybe more so than, you know, can they keep up this pace? Can they rebound from injuries? Well, they've kind of overcome every hurdle in their way so far. I mean, it's I, for most teams, you get the feeling, Chris, it would be a recipe for disaster to have your opening day pitcher end up on the DL the first day of the season, have Ryan Braun play less than half the games, and here you are 91 games into your season. Jonathan Villar is hitting a shade over 200. He has not produced the way they thought. You've had to DFA your closer and insert Corey Knable. Willie Peralta is out of the rotation. 
I mean, it, it's been pretty insane. I mean, that's that's how teams lose games, and the Brewers have found a way to win. Well, and I think that, in my mind, is part of the reason why I don't consider this a fluke at all. I think we've seen, with the Brewers at least, a lot of improvement from different areas. So it is some of those guys who came over in the offseason, but it's also in the rotation. Jimmy Nelson has really broken through. Um, he's having a tremendous year. He and Chase Anderson, who I feel like uh, were both – pretty big all-star snubs. I know Anderson is dinged, but um, both of those guys have really taken a big step forward, and I feel like that rotation was always kind of a question coming into the year. Um, with those guys pitching well, and Matt Garza giving you uh, something this year, at least as a serviceable mid-rotation guy, suddenly that starts to look more like a, a playoff-type rotation in my mind. It certainly wouldn't be one of the best, but it's suddenly serviceable, and that's a big improvement from where they were in March. Well, and if you combine it with the way they're able to score runs, I mean, nobody scores more runs in the first inning than the Brewers. They've done a phenomenal job putting other teams on their heels, right? I mean, kind of forcing them into action. Uh, Meanwhile, the Brewers staff uh, on the mound, pitching with the lead frequently. That's all good stuff, and and quite frankly, it was what the Cubs were doing a year ago that they're not doing any longer. But a minor move made today by the Brewers, sending Garrett Cooper, a triple-A first baseman, to the Yankees in exchange for Tyler Webb. Webb has gotten his feet wet here in the major leagues this season, and he will be on the Brewers. He's not going to triple-A. What can be expected from Webb? What, what do we know about him in his limited time with the Yankees? Yeah, so I, what I would say is you know, Webb is a guy who has put up some nice numbers recently, if you look at the last couple seasons. Um, in AAA, but he is a little bit old for that age. So I guess I, I would say uh, everything you can look at with his stats are pretty promising. Good strikeout rate. Uh, not not someone who walks a ton of guys. Decent ERAs. But you have to temper your expectations just a little bit because he's doing it um, at an age where he should already have been in the majors for a few years. Now, you know, you can look at that and say, well, maybe the Yankees just didn't realize what they had there, and, and the Brewers see something in him and expect him to be pretty fantastic off the bat. Um, or you can look at it as the Yankees saw him the most and they didn't think enough of him to bring him up. So it'll be a mixed bag. And, and I think, uh, I guess based on you know everything else I said about the Brewers scouting staff earlier, uh, maybe you can be a little more uh, optimistic about it because they've had a lot of luck lately with some of these low-cost acquisitions. Yeah, I still feel like the Brewers, Chris, are this this sort of under-the-radar story here in Major League Baseball, even though we're sitting here at mid-July, and they're a first-place team, nine games above five hundred. I think they're the best story in the National League Central. However, I, I still believe the Cubs are maybe the biggest national story in the National League Central because of what they haven't been able to do. And I, and I think that's just fine with the Milwaukee Brewers. They are totally under the radar right now. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think... The Cubs were the big story coming into this season. The Cubs were the big story last season. And so everyone's really focused on exactly what you said, what they haven't been able to do, uh, what all the veterans are now struggling to hit, why they can't get Kyle Schwarber going. Uh, you're right. I mean, the, the Brewers have most certainly flown under the radar. And I think a part of that is maybe uh, those injuries. I mean, Ryan Braun isn't having his usual fantastic season. He, he is, stat-wise, but he hasn't played enough for people to recognize that. And so, outside of maybe the, the early Eric Thames onslaught, we haven't heard much about him. And at some point, you have to think 
at least nationally, more people will take notice because right now they're leading the division by, what, five and a half games? So we're already at the trade deadline, basically, and they're not going anywhere. It's cool stuff, man. It's a lot of fun to be a Milwaukee Brewers fan right now. The uh, plan has most certainly been uh, accelerated here. David Stearns, Craig Council laying the foundation, and uh, I, they're, they're producing. They're a lot of fun to watch right now, too, and we hope this continues over the next 71 games. Read his work on Yahoo Sports. Chris Wick, thanks for joining us. We'll be able to uh, hopefully check in down the road. That would be great anytime you need me. All right, that's Chris Wick from Yahoo Sports. Brewers Weekly continues after this on WTMJ. Welcome back into Brewers Weekly from Bastille Days. Beautiful night in Cathedral Square. Bastille Day run is set to uh, tip off here about oh, 9 o'clock or so tonight. An evening run through downtown Milwaukee, one of the great signature events here of Milwaukee's summer. Happy to be a part of Bastille Days tonight. Happy to have you along for the ride till 9 o'clock. 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Wayne standing by in Port Washington, joining us on Brewers Weekly. Hi, Wayne. Hey, Greg. Uh... See, the other day I was reading something. It was one of these mid-season MVP and National League, uh, you know, most valuable and these kind of things. And they had Coach of the Year for for. Yeah, I think we lost you there, Wayne. But uh, I, I think I know where you were going with that. I was reading some of the, the same publications you were uh, mid-season award lists, right? You know, mid-season MVP, mid-season Cy Young, mid-season manager of the year. All that kind of stuff pops out during the All-Star break as writers look to fill space and time. And Craig Council's name was not brought up, not mentioned in any of the things that I saw. Uh, a couple of reasons for that. Again, I think the Brewers are the best story in the NL Central. However, I don't believe they are the biggest story in the NL Central. I think the Cubs are. With what they did last year and what they're doing this year, the expectation level, that's a huge story. But I also look at what's going on out west. You've got teams like the Rockies and Diamondbacks really competing at a very high level and in terms of win-loss record, better records than the Milwaukee Brewers have. So let's watch it play out here at the end of the season and see what happens with that manager of the year vote. But I would agree that one of the more impressive things Craig Council has been able to do in my opinion, is just you set the culture, set the tone, build the foundation from the ground up. I, this was not a connected-together clubhouse under Ron Renneke. There were some older veterans on that team. Uh, it was not a all-for-each-other, all-for-you-know-everything kind of uh, flows through the team, team concept. It wasn't connected like it is now. And that's a credit to Craig Council because there's a lot of players on this team really didn't spend a lot of time playing with one another that have come together and, and really bonded and gelled both on the field and off. Now, I don't think that stuff in the dugout after a home run is, uh, you know, just for show, just for play. I, it's, it's how these guys are, and they spend a lot of time together, which I think is a great thing. 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 71 games to go here. To achieve 90 wins, the Brewers need to go. Can they do it? Can, can they... From 50 and 41, can they can they win 40 games? Can they go 40 and 31 down the stretch? I mean, it's it's not unreasonable to think playing the first half of the season at a plus nine over 500 clip it would it translate into doing something similar in the second half of the season? You get to 90 wins, I think you're a playoff team here 
in the NL Central. Might even be more like 87 or 88 to win the division. Uh, we'll wrap up the program, get some final thoughts. We'll get back to your phone calls as well after this on WTMJ. Wrapping up Brewers Weekly from Cathedral Square, site of Bastille Days 2017. I'm Greg in for Matt Pauley. Thanks for hanging out over the last several hours. If you're down here getting ready to run, it should be a great night for a parade through the downtown streets. Uh, take your time, my goodness. Enjoy yourselves. And uh, certainly always drink responsibly. Our friends at Miller Lite would certainly appreciate it. Uh, 51 of the Brewers' 71 games to finish up the season are against teams with losing records. But don't let that misguide you, okay? 18 games against the Cubs and Cardinals. Never easy, home or road. Brewers also play 39 games away from Miller Park. They've got uh, an interesting three-city journey coming up after this brief homestand where they'll go to Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and Washington to take on the Nationals. And they also have, I, I believe this will be maybe the most difficult road trip of the season, a trip out to Colorado, San Francisco, and Los Angeles to play the Dodgers. And that will happen in August. So on the horizon are some difficult days. Right? You've got to beat the Phillies at home when you have a chance to play the Phillies at home. No question. So when you look at this and say, well, record-wise, yeah, boy, the schedule looks great. Not really seeing many teams above 500. And don't be fooled by that because we know the Cubs and Cardinals are tough outs. And certainly that Western uh, West Coast road trip uh, looms with a stop in Colorado as well. So uh, nothing easy about this schedule. And the uh, pressure is also going to ramp up on this Brewers team as, you know, you get into a, a true race. And right now the Brewers are the leader of the pack in the Central, but, you know, meaningful games in August and September, yeah, it comes with a little bit more gravity, you'd have to imagine. So uh, the ride is tough here for the Milwaukee Brewers, no doubt about it. But what they have been able to do without a variety of key pieces throughout the first half of the season has been nothing short of remarkable. So, boy, what would it look like if they got all that stuff back together? If everybody was healthy at the same time and they didn't really have to do any patchwork sort of emergency starting, things like that. Brewers are in good position, but they've put themselves in a good position with the way they play. Pretty deep team here in the Milwaukee Brewers. 414-799-1620 if you'd like to reach us on the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text line. You can also uh, hit me up on Twitter at gmatzik and uh, the email address greg.matzik at wtmj.com. Got a note here from Cody in Fond du Lac. Hey, Greg, saw the trade today, Cubs and White Sox. Very surprised that the Cubs and White Sox would deal with one another, given their hatred for one another. And I'm also surprised to see what the Cubs gave up. Seems like they really sent a lot of great prospects packing for a starter who has been okay, but nothing great. I uh, appreciate the note, Cody. Uh, yeah, Jose Quintana is kind of an innings eater, and uh, he's a lefty. He's going to get good strikeout numbers, things like that. Uh, he'll throw six or seven innings seemingly every time he goes out there. Uh, he's had a good last couple of months, but you look back at the last several years, and it's, I don't know, it's been pretty up and down. So uh, he might be the absolute best starter available on the market. And he, he was affordable, he's available, and he's under control through 2020. So you put that all in the basket here. And you know it's going to come at a pretty significant cost. Did the Cubs give up too much? Well, their number one and number two prospect, yeah, I, that's that's pretty healthy. But, of course, we have no idea how these players are going to map out. When the Brewers acquired C.C. Sabathia, gave up Matt Laporta, 
And people wondered, well, how in the world are the Brewers ever going to find another first baseman? They got their first baseman of the future sitting right here in Matt Laporta, and you're letting him walk. It was ultimately the right move, even if Laporta turned out to be an all-star. The key to that trade was Michael Brantley, who is an all-star. He was a player to be named later. So you never know how it's going to map out. Baseball is awfully tricky to try and figure out. So on paper, yeah, it looks like the, uh, the uh, Cubs give up quite a bit. For a guy who is, I would say, reliable, but he's not the pitcher Zach Greinke was. He's not the pitcher that CeCe Sabathia was in Milwaukee. I don't think he's that big of a difference maker. However, long term, I think the Cubs have a pretty nice piece here who is relatively young at the age of 27. Uh, out of time here on Brewers Weekly. I want to thank Todd Rosiak for joining us. Also good to talk to Chris Swick. Going back to Sports Central, it was uh, also great to catch up with you uh, on the program tonight. We heard from David Stearns a little bit earlier tonight. You can check out uh, all the interviews if you missed them online at WTMJ.com. Coming up tomorrow, I will be at Miller Park prior to the Brewers series against the Philadelphia Phillies. They'll be honoring the 1982 Milwaukee Brewers at Miller Park all weekend long. If you got yourself a ticket for the weekend, it's going to be a great time at Miller Park. I would expect attendance to be ramped up here for the Milwaukee Brewers as the excitement continues to build for this team. They are in a pennant race, and they need every fan's help, right? So pack it, whether it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or a nice Monday, Tuesday in July, August, or September. Out of time tonight, back again tomorrow. The news is next on WTMJ.